Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, wave at our ushers. They have one. And um, you can turn over. We're going to... Our text this morning is in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue on where we left off three weeks ago. Had a few diversions over the last few weeks. Um, but um, we'll be over in, in Matthew 6. Continuing to look at the, where the Lord, the model prayer the Lord gives us. And the verse particularly where he says, as we're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about kingdom praying three weeks ago. I'm not going to rehash any of it just for the sake of time this morning. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast and kind of refresh, or if you missed that one, but we talked about the fact that we, that his kingdom is here now. His, he said he brought it when he came and that he wants you and I to be involved in his kingdom work. And the way that to one of the greatest tools he gave us to do that is through prayer. Prayer is so much more than we think it is. Now I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer this out loud and you don't have to raise your hand. All right, but it, you do need to answer it just between you and the Lord. Would you say that in your life you find it difficult to pray or that prayerlessness is, is more a part of your life than you'd like it to be? Because I talk to many people and many times that is, that is what's communicated to me is there's more prayerlessness in my life than I w- would like to admit. Prayer isn't something that's, or I have a hard time with it, or I struggle with it, or I really wrestle with things where, like in 1 Thessalonians, where it says pray without ceasing. How do you, how do you pray without ceasing? I want to talk about that this morning, all right? I want to talk about how the Lord has designed. Now, as we get into this, we're going to talk about specifically how the Holy Spirit guides us in kingdom praying. And as we go through this, I want you to understand that this is different maybe than what you've experienced or what you know in prayer. Often when it comes to prayer, we have set times and schedules in our day or in our week. We have lists. We have all of these different things, these prompters and reminders, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, it's awesome. That's great. But what I want to talk about this morning is more than that. It's bigger than that. It's fine. As a matter of fact, I think it's good to have these reminders in our life. I remember there was someone here in our church who had a little dot on their watch to remind them by two o'clock every day to pray and to look for opportunity to be able to share Jesus with someone. Uh, So it's great to have reminders. I know that Lori's grandmother took everybody in the family on their birthday. She spent the day praying for them on their birthday. And it's, and that's an awesome gift that she, I, I had dear friends in Kansas and every Monday she would pray for me. So it's part of, and and the ministry and what God was doing. And so it's okay to have set times and schedules where we pray. But I wanna talk to you about something that God does to me, which is really exciting. And it also takes some of the pressure off me because how many have ever had a prayer list and then you forgot to look at your prayer list and pray, all right? Or you told somebody you pray about something and then you forgot to pray about it. Or then all of a sudden it came, it's like, oh, I forgot to do that. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life and in my life that, so that he takes responsibility. For, for how we pray, what we pray, when we pray, and what it looks like, all right? Now, as we're talking about kingdom praying, I mentioned to you several weeks ago about intercession, and we talked about a story in Genesis chapter 28. You can write these passages down. I probably won't turn to them this morning just for the sake of time, but Genesis 28, 11, there's a Hebrew word for intercession. We have, we have intercession 
the English word, and then the New Testament is a Greek, it's translated from a Greek word and the Old Testament from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for intercession is used in Genesis 28 verse 11 when it says that Jacob lighted upon, he came upon a place where he said, hey, this is a good place to spend the night. And that's where the ladder, he had the vision, the ladder going up into heaven, and he wakes up and he says, the Lord was here and I did not know it. And we talked about that one of the main thoughts of intercession is we chance upon something, at least from our viewpoint. It was not part of our planned schedule. It wasn't part of our day. It wasn't part of what we thought would be happening that day. And all of a sudden we find ourselves receiving information or, or in contact with a person or in a, in a place and you're thinking, why am I here? Or someone comes to your mind repeatedly. Have you ever had that? Over, and over a short period of time, somebody you haven't thought about in years, and all of a sudden, they're on your mind. They're just, boom, they're there. And you're like, I don't even know. And then a little while later, boom, there they are again. It's like, that's funny. You know, or maybe a day goes by, boom, there it is again. And, and we have this very deep theological thing like, oh, man, isn't that, isn't that crazy how they just popped in my mind? I hadn't thought. No, they didn't just pop into your mind for no reason. This is intercession. This is God working behind the scene and saying, hey, I'm bringing them to your mind because I want you to pray. There's something that's going on here. Maybe he wants you to do more than just pray. Maybe there's a contact that needs to be made, something else that needs to happen. But to begin there and say, Lord, you brought them to my mind. What is it that you're doing right now that you want me to pray about? What is it that you want me to call out and to trust you for and to believe you for in this? And you say, well, if I haven't thought about it in a long time, I may have no idea how to pray. That's fine. This is where Romans 8 comes in. Because Romans 8 says the Spirit, he prays for us in ways we don't know how to pray. He, te- he will bring things to my mind to pray for. He will put things on my heart to pray for. He will cause me to, at times just to moan, just to just utterance that I don't even understand. But he's interceding. He's praying on my behalf for these things. To be engaged in kingdom opportunity. It is very, very important that you and I learn as we walk through our day, every single day, God wants to bring things across our path and he wants us to pray about it. He wants us to, as it were, pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in this situation. How many of you watch the news? I'm praying for you, okay? I don't much. I very seldom watch the news because most of it's bad and depressing, all right? There are times, though, and some of you, you have to be informed. No, I don't. I got all you who are watching it who will tell me. I don't, don't have to do it. So you will all tell me what's there, I promise you. So here's the deal. though. No, as you're watching it, how often does it prompt you to pray? Or you're going through your day and something comes back to mind or something is brought to your mind and attention. And rather than, oh, we got to fix this or what can we do about this or we can just talk it to death. Or I could pray and say, Lord, bring your kingdom into this situation. Lord, your spirit at work here, your will done in this as it is in heaven. Lord, would you demonstrate who you are in this? He wants that to be such a normal part of our life on a daily basis. And by the way, this can be in all kinds of areas. This could be in health issues. This could be in relationships. This can be in politics. This can be in in economics. This can be in in job. It can be in every, matter of fact, it should be part of all of our life that every day the Holy Spirit's bringing things. He's prompting things. If I'm open, if I'm willing, he will bring things to my heart and mind. And what he's saying is, I didn't just bring that to your mind so you'd think about it or worry about it or fret over it. 
I brought it because I want you to pray about it. Now you're sitting here thinking, what good does that do? What power do I have to change anything? Absolutely none. You have no power to change anything, but it's not about your power, it's about his. You and I have the privilege to be able to partner with him, to be co-laborers with him. He chose it that way. He set it up that way. He wants to involve you and me in the process. He doesn't have to. He doesn't need us. He wants to. He wants to walk with us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants you and I to be engaged in that process. And if we had time this morning, I could spend the rest of the day just going through and telling you time after time where the Lord has prompted, and I began to pray, or other people who shared with me their story, where the Lord prompted, they began to pray, and they saw God do what only he could do, where he brought his kingdom and his will into a situation. All right? So the first concept of intercession, and we talked about this more in a previous message, but this first concept is you're walking through your day, and you chance upon something, at least from your perspective, that God says, no, I intended you to be right here. I intended this to be going on so that you would bring it to me. And you begin to pray that my kingdom would come into this, that my will would be done in this. But there's a second one. In Joshua 19, and you can jot that passage down. You might want to remember it because if you ever have trouble sleeping one night, turn to Joshua 19 and start reading it'll do you a lot of good. My guess is it'll put you to sleep pretty quick, all right? It's one of those passages that we come to in the Bible and we think, Lord, what in the world? Why did you put this in here? And, and if you're, all right, it's confession's good for the soul, all right? How many times do you come to one of these passages that have a lot of so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot, or in this one, it's a little different, but it's the same sort of idea. You get to it and you kind of skim it real quick so you can get on to the other stuff, right? I mean, we've, we've all done that, right? Because there's nothing. Can I tell you something? In Joshua 19, the Hebrew word for intercession is used five times in that one chapter. But it's in a chapter you would never guess. You would never think it's there. I mean, in chapter 19, you got stuff. Look with me starting about verse 10. The third lot came up for the people of Zebulun, according to their clan and their territory of their inheritance, reached as far as Sarid, and then their boundary goes up westward on to Merail, and touches Jabeseth, and in the brook of the east of Jokanem. From Sarid, it goes to the other direction, eastward toward the sunrise to the boundary of Chrysolith Tabor, and from there it goes to Deborath, and then it goes to Jephiah, and from there it passes along eastward toward the sunrise to Gathhefer, to Ephkazin, going on to Ramon, it bends toward Ney, then on to the north, the boundary turns toward Hanathon and it ends the valley of Iphaphel and I can't even say most of these and Kadath and Nahal and Shimron and Idlo and Bethlehem. Thank God there's one in there I recognize. Bethlehem. Okay. And you're thinking, oh, this, I'm telling you, remember in the middle of the night, start reading Joshua 19. It'll put you out. But in the midst of that, five times the word for intercession shows up. Look with me in verse 10. The third lot came up for the people of Zebulun according to their clan and the territory of their inheritance reached as far as Sarid. Um, and then their boundary goes up westward onto Maril and, and touches. In the King James, it says reaches to. In the ESV, the NIV, some of the others, it says touches. But that word is the word for intercession. And you say, okay, so what? What does that mean? This whole chapter is about inherited boundaries, covenant-established boundaries. Do you realize that what God puts in the Old Testament has teaching purpose, it has learning purpose for us in the New Testament? Do you realize that in your life and my life, we have covenant-established boundaries? We have inherited boundaries? 
Ephesians 1 says that we have an inheritance. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of this inheritance that we have in him. But the scripture gives us all kinds of things. You say, Troy, what do you mean? What's my inheritance? As a child of God, now again, this is if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have the inheritance, all right, because you're not in him. But if you're in Christ, peace that passes human understanding is part of your inheritance because that's what he promised. He promised a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind and not fear. That's part of your inheritance. He promised, matter of fact, we read it this morning, that when we love the Lord, when our heart is set toward him, there are promises that he does to our children and to our children's children. I don't want you to raise your hand, but some of you this morning, your heart is broken over your kids and over your grandkids. But there are certain covenant-established boundaries Now, here's the thing. Satan is always attacking those boundaries. Always. I did something in prayer this morning. I want to do it in here, too. I want you on the count of three to say real loud, out loud, your last name. Okay? On the count of three. You you understand? Your your last name, out loud. And obviously, it's going to be different for all of us. Okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Robinson. (laughs) Satan hates all of those families. He hates them. And every other one we didn't mention, he hates. There is never a nice day in hell. There's never a day where he gets up and thinks, like McDonald's, you deserve a break today. No, he never, ever thinks that. He hates you, he hates your family. He hates my family. He's always attacking these boundaries, these inherited, these covenant established boundaries. He's attacking them and he's taking ground. This is why the scripture talks about us reclaiming ground because we gave up what was already ours. It was our inherited right. And in Joshua, what he was talking about is with each of the tribes, with each of the family, their boundaries, what was their inherited covenant boundaries was established for them. And he uses the word intercession over and over again because when the enemy comes and attacks these boundaries, then the Holy Spirit's going to prompt. He wants us to pray. He wants us to do battle over these boundaries, to fight over them. When you don't have peace, the enemy's attacking, but that's a boundary. That's an inherited right that is yours, that he would give you peace that passes you. And by the way, in Philippians, when it talks about that, how does it say that peace comes? It says that we talk to him about what we're anxious about, about what's going on. We pray in prayer, in intercession. We pray and we, establish, we fight back. We take back those boundaries. I think that's part of the prayer of Jabesh where he's asked the Lord to extend his boundaries. I believe we can even pray that way under his prompting. Lord, these are the established boundaries you've given, but would you extend those boundaries to cover others and to go further? Do you begin to understand that in your life on a daily basis, you and I have the opportunity by the prompting of the Spirit to be able to fight back where the enemy is attacking these boundaries? Someone came to me just a moment ago And they were telling me what God's doing in the life of their child. It's not over. The battle is still raging. And by the way, you need to understand this. When you're fighting for boundaries, it rarely happens immediately. Sometimes, but rarely. Because the enemy doesn't just, you you don't just hit him with a blow and he's like, oh, I'm done. I quit. We might do that, but he doesn't do that. He keeps fighting. He keeps trying. And so there's a wrestling over. But as this person was sharing with me about their child and what God is doing, how to pray, and then they asked me to pray. And I know the first name now. So every time the Holy Spirit brings that first name to my mind, I'm praying about these boundaries. I'm praying about what the enemy is trying to still kill and destroy. And I'm asking the Lord to push him back. And he does. He does. 
You say, I've been praying for a long time. Don't quit. See, that was part of the problem with the children of Israel. They had these boundaries they had to fight for. And they had them and they were established. These lots, by the way, you know where you live, you have a lot where your house or your, your, your dwelling is, is on a lot. The origin of that comes from here. They cast lots to determine who gets what portion. And they believed the Lord would direct that. In other words, they drew straws, flip a coin. That would be our version of that. You think, well, that seems like a game of chance. No, because God was directing. I want so-and-so to get this. And so he had the lot fall to this tribe. And he had this lot fall to that tribe. That's where the term lot comes from. You and I have God-given, inherited, covenant-established boundaries in our life. Inherited things that are ours by inheritance. And I don't have to accept the enemy's encroachment on them. I don't have to. I may choose to, but I don't have to, and neither do you. I'm tired of accepting his encroachment. I'm tired of letting him take ground and and me retreating. I don't have to retreat. It has been established, and, and Joshua 19 makes it really clear. The Holy Spirit's going to prompt me to intercede. I was doing this on the night of the hurricane. I was doing it for my family and I was doing it for your family. I was praying for inherited boundaries that we have, that, there, that the Lord would give peace, that, that the spirit of fear would be cast out. I was going through all these, all these things that, that the Lord says are ours. It was how the Holy Spirit was prompting me to pray, to, pro- to pray for you, to pray for us. But there's also another one. You'll see this. First uh, Samuel 22 is one place that you'll see it. Uh, 2 Samuel 1.15, you'll see it there. 2 Kings 2.30 something, all right? 30, I think it's down about 38. In all of these stories, you have a king, whoever the king may be, who's ordering one of his subjects to take the sword and to fall upon. It's the, it's the Hebrew word for intercede, to fall upon. The king ordering... Take the sword and do battle. Fight. There are times in your life and my life where the Holy Spirit wants to prompt and say, you know what? It's time to pull out the sword of the Spirit and do battle and to fight. Sometimes I think our Christian mindset is to lose sight of the fact that we're in a war, that we're fighting. John Piper said it so well, and I can't remember which book he quoted it in, so I'll have to go back and look it up. It was either in Don't Waste Your Life or Desiring God. It was in one of his books. But he made a statement about prayer that I thought was so powerful. He said that prayer was established by our commander-in-chief as a line of communication for us to be able to call out for supplies and reinforcements and personnel and all the things that are needed in this kingdom battle that we're engaged in. That was the purpose. That's what he set prayer up for. We have turned it into an intercom system to ask the servants to bring us another cushion while we lay on the couch. That was not his intent. Now, are we supposed to pray for our needs? Absolutely. We'll probably talk about that, Lord willing, next week. So it is not wrong to pray for daily needs. The Lord taught us to do that. But where did he start? Did he start with daily needs? No. He started with your kingdom come, your will be done. He said, you are my children. You're part of my kingdom you're, part, you're soldiers in this, in this battle. I have given you authority. I have given you an inheritance. I have given boundaries in your life. I want you to do battle. 
And I have given you a weapon to be able to do this. In Ephesians, where it starts listing the armor, and we have the helmet of salvation, we have the breastplate of righteousness, we have the belt that, that, of truth, we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we have the, the shield of faith, we have all these weapons, but at the end of that list of things, it lists the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it talks about all prayer. Prayer is a weapon. And I think we cut it off. The punctuation doesn't end there. It keeps on going. It's a continuous, it's another famous Paul run-on sentence. It just keeps going, all right? And he didn't stop with the sword of the Spirit. He added prayer right in there. The Holy Spirit wants to prompt you and me. At times, we're walking through our day, and something comes out of the blue, and it's like, this is strange. This is weird. Why am I faced with this right now? He said, I want you to pray. I want you to ask for my kingdom to come into this. I want you to ask for my will to be done in this. I want you to be led by my spirit is how I want you to pray. But I want you to pray. I want you to invite, I want you to invoke and invite my kingdom into this situation. There are other times where it's clear that boundaries are being encroached upon. And he's saying, I want you to claim, to stand up for what is your inherited right. Peace is your inherited right. Strength when you are weak is your inherited right. Do you begin to understand all these things? When Jesus made these promises, they weren't just nice, quote, saying so that we could put them on a coffee mug or cross-stitch them and hang them on the wall, all right? That was not the reason he gave them. He gave them to you and me because they are covenants he makes with us, and he does not go back on his word. He says, this is your inheritance. This is what belongs to you. Most of us are rich, but we live like paupers. You say, but Troy... I tried. I've, I've tried praying about some of these things and it, it just doesn't seem to work or help. Because we tend to be so result-oriented. I want to see a visible result that makes sense to me in 30 seconds or less. Which makes us just like our three and four-year-olds, all right? Or our 10-year-olds or our teenagers or... In our case, our 50-year-olds. Are, you never outgrow this unless the Holy Spirit grows you up. We always tend, I want to see it the way I want to see it. I want to see it right now. I want it to make sense to me. If it takes longer than 30 seconds or a minute or a half an hour, well, it didn't work. Can I tell you the greatest... Uh, when I was praying about these boundaries the night of Hurricane Matthew. And there really was a great calm. I had a great peace. Um, I was inconvenienced like you all. I would have rather been doing something else or been somewhere else or thinking about other things. But in the midst of all of this, just to be able to pray, say, Lord, you've established certain boundaries here. The hurricane kept coming. All right? It turned at the last minute. It was not nearly as bad as they predicted, but it kept coming. It wasn't like the Lord just had it dissipate out there in the middle of the ocean because we prayed. Things kept happening. There was some damage to, to some people in some places, and some of those things did happen. But you know what we did this morning that was really cool in, in, in our prayer time is we had some testimonies of people sharing what God did in their heart through the course of Hurricane Matthew. And there were different stories all the way around. There were those who talked about how they had made a decision, they felt like God, and then they began to question that decision, and they had to go to the Lord. 
for, for reassurance, for, for him to, to confirm, okay, this is what I wanted you to do. There were others who shared, you know what, I was afraid, and I kept being afraid, and I would pray, and I'd have a minute of peace, or I'd have three minutes of peace, or I'd have, and, and then I'd be afraid again, and this went on for hours, and just this wrestling and struggling. This is the very picture of what we're talking about. These boundaries, when the enemy's fighting for them, he often is tenacious, and he will not let go. Sometimes you see it immediately, and sometimes you have to keep battling. And I love that story because what it says is, Lord, I don't have any place to run but to you. I have nowhere to go but to you. And it doesn't appear, I'm not getting the result that I think I should get in this moment, but I'm going to keep running to you. I'm going to keep claiming what you said. I'm going to keep listening to what you say. I'm going to keep reading your word. I'm going to keep believing what you say in your word to me. And then the testimony said about 3 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, it was lifted. It was gone. There was peace. Why? Because we're fighting for boundaries. We're fighting for what is already ours. But the enemy wants to rob. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take it from you. And then there are times... We were praying again this morning, and I had that strong sense this morning as we were praying, pull out the sword and do battle. Go after the enemy. Think of it this way. How many of you are football fans? How many football fans in here? All right, and the rest of you, we'll pray for you. All right, and I'm kidding, all right, I'm kidding. I don't care whether you like football or don't, it doesn't really matter. But if you like football, it will help with this illustration if you don't ask your neighbor, okay? Um, in football, in most sports, they, they have interceptions, all right? One team has the ball or the puck or, what, or whatever you're using, and you're moving one way, going to score against your opponent, and someone comes along and they intercept. They grab it and they start moving the other direction. And it's really cool. In football, they call it a pick six. When you intercept the ball and you run it back for a touchdown, There are times where the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you to pull out that sword and say, I want you to take the enemy on head on. He's got a goal and he's moving this direction. He's trying to score. And I want you to intercept what he's up to. I want you to take it away and I want you to run this way and score. That's the picture that we have here. Okay, This is what he wants to do. This is the pulling out. When, when David said, in, in one of those examples there in, in 2 Samuel 1, 15, David said, I want you to take out the sword and I want you to fall on him. I want you to take, because the king has told me, hey, the enemy is working this way, I want you to go against him. I want you to fight against him. I want you to believe you already can because the battle is won. I already won the battle. I already won the war. You're fighting this skirmish, this battle. But I want you to intercept what he planned. Remember what Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 50? You meant it for evil, and really Satan meant it for evil. The enemy meant it for evil, he just used his brothers. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God intercepted what you meant to, to destroy me, and he turned it out, turned it around, so it would save many people alive. Folks, prayer is so much more than we have seen or believed. It is so much more. And he wants, it to, he wants to wind it through every part of your daily life so that you're not having... Oh, it's time to pray. I got to go pray. No, it's, I'm just walking through my day 
and the Holy Spirit's prompting. He's bringing up situations. He's reminding me of boundaries to pray for and to fight for. And at times he's saying, pull out the sword and do battle. Take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and do battle against your enemy in the spiritual realm. Lori, would you come play? If we were, if ISIS happened to show up here today, which by the way, they're not, but if they happened to show up here today and they came in with guns and swords and all that they do, would you uh, quick sneak out the back, run down to the children's wing and find one of their little toy weapons down there? If we have any, I don't even know if we have toy weapons down there. But if you don't there, we'd have plenty of them at my house, all right? And so go get a toy weapon and come out and stand against ISIS. Would you, would you send your toddler down there to go get their toy gun and stand in the way of ISIS? No, you would not. It would be futile. Their weapons are futile. Their weapons won't work. The scripture says... The weapons of our warfare are mighty. They're not futile. They're not weak. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest, most overlooked weapons in your arsenal is this weapon of prayer. But if you have a mindset that prayer is only good if I can pray a certain way and get a certain result, then you have missed the whole point. And I think that's the reason many Christians find prayerlessness a problem. Because we've prayed, we've asked God to work a certain way in certain situations, and it didn't work out that way. So either God didn't care or prayer doesn't work or I didn't do it right, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go on and try to live life the best way I can. And we have thrown out this valuable weapon But see, it's more than just a weapon. It's a transforming tool because it allows me to be in the presence of the Lord for him to speak to me and for me to speak to him and for me to be changed. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with someone and I was encouraging them to believe God. And they said, Troy, I've done everything I know to do. I've done the counseling, I've done the steps, I've done everything that anybody's told me to do. And it hasn't worked. And I'm not sure that what you're telling me now will work. I'm not sure I have faith to believe that it will work. And I remember looking at them and I said, you know what, I know, that's okay, I believe. Just believe that I believe. And I, well, that doesn't make any sense, I know. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I believe. Do you know why I believe? Because a few years ago, a number of years ago now, the Lord, the Holy Spirit began to teach me that prayer was so much more than I ever imagined. And he hasn't just done things that are amazing. He's done amazing things in me. Some of you have the same testimony, and some of you will have the same testimony if you'll just believe him. You'll have that testimony. Because he will do it for all. Not just for a few, but for all of us. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll teach you. The Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, will teach you to pray when you don't know how to pray. 
He'll give you things. He'll show you what to pray for. And here, one other little thought in this, and then we're going to wrap this up. Someone came to me, I think it was last Sunday, and the Lord prompted them to pray that third kind of intercession that we talked about, where you pull out the sword and you just do battle. You're battling against Satan. Satan, you don't have a right here, and I'm standing against you in the name and the blood of Jesus, and you cannot destroy, you cannot do. That was how God led them to pray, and several others in their family. And during the hurricane, that's how they were praying. And, of course, that thing turned, and so they were very excited. God heard prayer, and he did. He did. But God didn't direct me to pray that same way. I did not go stand outside in the wind and, and, and pray against Satan and his attack. God led me to pray for boundaries. That's how he led me to pray. Now, was my prayer wrong? No. Was their prayer wrong? No. You need to understand that God is so big that he can call all of us to pray in different ways and still accomplish his same purpose. As a matter of fact, he loves to do that. So don't go get upset with somebody if they don't pray the same way you pray. Or if the Holy Spirit prompts them to pray in a different way. He's like, no, no, we're praying about it this way. Well, the Holy Spirit seems to be leading me this way. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense to you as long as it makes sense to God. It doesn't have to make sense to you. Now, again, if our prayer is unscriptural, that's a whole different thing. But most of the time, it's not about whether it's scriptural or not. It's just, I think it ought to be this way. Well, I think it ought to be this way. And then basically what we say is, God, we don't care what we think. We're going to listen to the king. What does the king say? What's he telling us? So while one is praying that boundaries would be established and people would not be overwhelmed by fear and there would be courage and there would be peace and there would be faith and faith would be strengthened and God's word would be heard and all these things, someone else is praying that the enemy would be bound. And God's answering both. He's working in both situations. Let God be God in your life and in the people around you. Let him be God. He is so much bigger. You know what our problem is? Our God is too small. In our minds, he's too small. He's way bigger than we ever imagined. But we've, we've tried to box him in. Would you to bow your heads with me? Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to make you an intercessor? Someone who just in the course of your day, you come across a situation and you know the Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray about this. I want, you to, I want you to pray about this person or this need. I want you to invite my kingdom and my will into this situation. And, it, and by the way, you don't, the Holy Spirit, sometimes we get the idea the Holy Spirit makes us weird and kooky, all right? You don't have to stand up in the middle of a public restaurant and start shouting, you know, kingdom come, your will be done, all right? That might be a little strange. You might get arrested and have a different ministry after that. I can do it, just me and the Lord. Nobody else knows. I can invite his kingdom to come in and his will to be done. Sometimes he wants me to do it out loud. Sometimes that's appropriate and that's what the situation calls for. Sometimes it doesn't. But are you willing? Are you willing to fight for boundaries in your life and in the people that God brings to you? The God-ordained, the covenant-established boundaries that are yours? And do battle for them. Push back. 
when the enemy wants to encroach in on them. And then sometimes when the king says, just to pull out the sword and go after him, it's a all out, it's a full on assault. I love movies about history and true things. And one of my favorites is the movie Gettysburg. And there is a scene at the end of the first part of Gettysburg when they're at Little Round Top. And the Union Army is there and they're out of, they don't have any more ammunition, they've fired. And the rebel army, the Southern Army is still coming. They're charging up the hill. And they're caught, the Union Army's caught. There's a colonel by the name of Chamberlain who's leading them. He's the flank, he knows he's the last. If he, if he, if he caves, the whole end of the Union Army will be swept. They'll come around the flank. They'll destroy the Union Army there. So they can't run away. They don't have any ammunition to shoot back. And everybody's looking at him, what do we do? What do we do? I can only imagine what it would be like to be the leader in that moment. What do we do? And he looks at him, he says, fix bayonet. And they look at him, he said, fix bayonet. We're gonna charge. We're gonna charge. It's the same picture that we have where the king says, grab the sword, we're gonna charge. We're going. If we stay here, we'll be overwhelmed. So we're gonna move forward. I love that scene. It's one of my favorite movie scenes of all time because there's so much spiritual truth in it. There are times where the king says, grab your sword, charge. Don't wait, don't hold back, charge. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom when to do it. You don't charge all the time. You don't fight boundaries all the time. It's different. And sometimes it may be a mixture or a combination of all three. But are you willing? You may be new to this church and you've come in and you said, you know, there's something different here in the people and what we sense. Can I tell you what it is? It's because God's had us on this journey of learning what it is to pray and to intercede. That's what you sense is different. Will you join us? Will you join, not join us, join him, join the Lord and what he's doing. Lord Jesus, help your people, help us. Lord, help us believe that you've called us to be intercessors, to be alert to your spirit and to pray. to push back when boundaries are being encroached upon and to pull the sword and charge when you call us to. But Lord, we do it in prayer. We don't do it in our own strength, our own might. We do it under the power and the direction of your Holy Spirit. Would you take every one of us in this room today, Lord, and, and this is the prompting of your spirit, so I'm asking for it and believing you for it. Would you take every one of us and over the next six months, would you take us further in intercession and prayer than we've ever been? Every single one of us. Lord, start with me. Start with me. I want to go further than I've ever been. I want you to do more in me and through me. Lord, I don't want to be I don't want to be that person on the couch calling for the servants to bring me another pillow and a cushion. 
I want to be on the front lines. I want to be battling for my king. I want to be in, I want to be in the fight. Lord, would you stir that desire in all of our hearts to be in the fight? Would you cause us to believe, Lord, that you're bigger than what we see? That the circumstances, the things that we hear on the news, things that are told to us, the things that seem so real and so overwhelming, that, Lord, you're bigger than all of that. Do a work in us, Lord. Lord, I pray for people today. I pray for those whose children, the enemy is just, he's wreaking havoc in their life. Lord, I pray for the work of your spirit and the prompting of your spirit, when to pray, when to pull the sword and charge, when to fight for boundaries, to reclaim stolen ground. Lord, in our children and our grandchildren and those closest to us and those that we will meet that we don't even know yet. Lord, make us intercessors. Make us willing to fight. In a moment, we're going to dismiss. I always have prayer partners here at the front. As a matter of fact, if you're a prayer partner, you could go ahead and move up here toward the front and be ready. We're here to pray with you about whatever, go, whatever need is in your life. This is why we pray. You say, why, do they, why does he do this every week? Why does, why does he have prayer partners? Why is it? Because we believe in, in the power of God to work through his people praying. That he does that. He does incredible things. That he changes us and transforms us. That's why we pray. You may not believe it. Just believe I believe it. I have seen it over and over again. And I can't go back. I have been changed and I cannot go back. And I believe that for you as well. As you're changed, you can't go back. Once you've tasted it, you can't go back. So Lord, today, would you stir in your people? If you don't know Jesus today, you don't know what it is to have a relationship, you don't even know what it means when we say that, let us pray for you about that too. We'll talk with you as much as you want or as little as you want. We'll talk to you about it. Or whatever need. Maybe there's a health need. Do you realize that part of our inheritance is health that he gives? That's part of our inheritance. You say, well, I'm not always healthy. I'm like, I know, you get sick. I, we all get sick. But his healing power is part of the inheritance that he's given to us. Let us pray. Let's pray with you about it. You say, well, I've been struggling with an illness for a long time. That's okay. We keep praying. We don't stop praying. Lord, move in your people today. We pray in Jesus' name.